What's up? This is uh, Failure to Stop Sports. I think we're going to call the show Illegal Shift. Uh, before we got started, I reached out to Jason, my co-host, and I said, you know what would be awful? If uh, the Bengals and the Cowboys went to the Super Bowl and it ruined the show and our friendship. Well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on this is Sunday. About the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. You want to bring in the show? Do you want to see guns on media for the first time in your life? And if you want. Otherwise, I'll do it. Guns up, giddy up, Wolfpack. This is failure to stop illegal shift? Question mark? Uh, Question mark? Question mark? I am joined uh, by the first man to break the firefighter barrier of failure to stop. Some of you may know him from his uh, other gig, which is called the One More and I'm Out of Here podcast. He's been a friend of the show since way back. I met him uh, this past April when we had our first meetup out there in Clayton. It's uh, And uh, I'll let you introduce yourself. But if I have this right, you are Lieutenant Commander Jason Kiefer of the Cleveland Fire Department. I'm, I know I'm close on that, right? <laughs> you are about four hours wrong. But you had lieutenant, lieutenant correct. But yes, Lieutenant on the Fire Department and... Uh, like John said, we met we met in April and have kind of been buddies ever since. But uh, yeah, twenty three year veteran, not twenty three years as a lieutenant, but in the fire world, I know it's weird on the Fair to Stop channel, but uh, love what the channel is and yeah. Well, Failure to Stop is the number one podcast and platform where we entertain and inform first responders. This is a whole new way of us doing it, where we're going to talk some fire stuff, dispatch stuff. But also, you know, sports, because that's something that I think uh, first responders may be into. Of course, they're they're into comedy, which is why they watch the show on Monday night with Jay Durrell. They're they're into true crime. That's why they watch the show with Kendra on Wednesday. They, they're into politics and the news. That's why they watch Dead Leg on Friday. They have Eric break down all the all the news. And I think sports kind of fits in there on Thursday. That's where we're at. We're going to try to put out a sports show for you. We're going to go strong in the, in the football season. We got the Olympics coming up baseball we're gonna have some guests but uh since some of you guys are uh new to jason or at least uh you know maybe you haven't seen his uh his other show that he does jason now you know where where are you from how did you get started as a firefighter what makes you hate fire so much (laughs) so so where you were you know three and a half to four hours off i'm from cincinnati the bottom of the state you said cleveland which is north but uh we call that right, wrong, or indifferent. We call that down here the mistake on the lake because obviously they're Cleveland Browns are in our division, so we don't like anything Cleveland. But uh, yeah, so been a fireman for a little bit and uh, started falling fair to stop and got to know Eric, got to know John, got to know you know when Drew was here, and then got to know uh, Andrea, and now we got you know the antihero podcast, Kendra. Your guys' true crime is absolutely phenomenal. Love Thank it. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, there there are over 100 personalities on the payroll around here. 
<laughs> which means we're all just going a little bit hungrier every year that goes by because we, we recruit one more person. But but seriously, I, I mean, I what did, what was your first job or what did you do before you were a firefighter? Like, how do you get into that? So I've literally, I was a fire explorer through high school, the division of the Boy Scouts. I know there's police explorers and there's fire explorers. So I did that through high school and, and really enjoyed it, going to the firehouse, just you know, learning what the job was. And then graduation comes. I go to college for business. My brother, my brother-in-law were making money hand over fist in the mortgage business before the bottom dropped out. But uh, I saw that and I was like, oh, man, I want to make all of this money. Went to college for two or three semesters and I was like, I don't want to sit behind a desk every day. Yeah. So I went back to my fire chief and said, hey, I'd really like to, uh, you know, investigate this as a career field. And I was fortunate enough to get in early, start, you know, started part time at 18 and what we call mercenary work. You're working for three or four different fire departments, you know, just running department to department, you know, and working your shifts. And I was fortunate enough to get into the pension system early at uh, 21. So. In Ohio, it's 25 years and 48. Now, now the new kids is 25 years full time and 52, and you get to retire. So, I've got I've got a little less than four years left. Oh, but I, I made I, it a career. Dispatcher, our system's so terrible. I just don't even think about that. I just look at actuarial tables to see when I'll die, so I don't have to have the stress of just continuing to work for the rest <laughs> of my life. I just the end is in sight. Not for retirement, but, you know, for the sweet embrace of the grave. What are questions that people ask you when they don't know about what firefighters do? Like for me as a 911 dispatcher, people say, oh, you're you're the 911 guy. What's the craziest call you ever got? Do people ask you, like, how hot's the hottest fire you ever fought? Do people ask you that kind of stupid <laughs> question? Or like, what what is the burden that you bear as a firefighter? Or does everyone just think you're cool? Well, you, you get the question. What, what's the What's the worst run you've ever made? Which is actually the worst question you could ever ask. But yeah. where where my region where I work, we're predominantly all, fi- yeah, we're firemen, but we're also paramedics, predominantly. So I do the EMS and I also do the fire. And I mean, you know. So I, do they, they ask you, like, what's the most grievous wound you've ever seen? The most gruesome run, like all this shit. And it, it cracks me up because I love what I do, but as any, whether it's a police officer, dispatcher, you, you have all this time in, you do hit a point where you're just tired of seeing bad stuff. So you're trying to make it to the finish line. So it's like, I, I typically don't, I don't even answer the question. I'm like, I see people on their worst days. People aren't calling me if things are good. I mean, outside of going, you know, doing a, a, you know, public service, you know, uh, try and think of the right wording, the, uh, you know, education, going to the schools, you know, fire prevention week, you know, doing those things, love doing, the, you know, doing that. But if you're calling me, it's typically not a good thing. If you're calling a police officer, it's probably not a good thing. It's not a good day in your life. So I'm like, why would you want to know what's the worst because we all harbor every police officer, every fireman harbors stuff back here. And whether you're going to therapy, whether you're not, it's, it all rests there. So it's like that, that question is a very hard question to ask. And it, and it's a very, it's a scary question to ask, to be honest with you. 
Yeah. I didn't know I was going that deep with it. Sorry to I went kinda, deep. Oh, kind of open that open that up. He's drinking a beer, folks, for those of you who are just listening. I thought this was a laid back conversation. I didn't mean to ask you like so this the screams of the dying and the dead haunt you at night. Yeah, I wasn't really trying to try to go down that that well that realm. Although as a dispatcher, I can completely relate because you know I'm having You're dealing with all that. At. Yeah, I mean, you and you and I, uh, when we're off there, we're you know, I'm not trying to make this the heaviest show on the network, uh, but when you and I are off there, we could share some stories of uh, some bad stuff, and I think we've we've done that before. It's but, a good start uh, to fall uh, fall into the fire stop on a, on a Thursday sports show. It's it's a uh, it's a meet and greet. We'll call it a meet and greet. It, it's a meet and greet, and it's fair. But I also think you know we've got to establish uh, you know for those who don't know you, you, you know you're you're a, you're a firefighter. We are we are first responders here. I kind of throw myself into that category and but we're here to talk about football before we do that i'm just going to do a couple ad reads uh the show is brought to you by ghost bed folks failure to stop has been brought to you by ghost bed since way way back in the beginning since long before me or jason ever got here ghost bed is an incredible company it's their mission to bring the most comfortable and affordable mattresses to every home in america Folks, GhostBed is a wonderful company because they support first responders and veterans. Uh, I didn't fight for this country. I might be a veteran of another country. I don't know. That's something that's between me and the United States government, I guess, if we ever go to war. But <laughs> they, they work to bring you uh, proprietary mattresses, cooling technology, adjustable frames. You can go to their website. You can use the offer code WOLFPACK. You can use that to get up to 40% off. If you go to their website and you see some kind of special holiday deal, you want to go with that, that's fine. We don't hold that against you. All we ask is that you put Wolfpack in your comment section as you're checking out. That way they know that when they advertise with failure to stop, when they give money to me and money to Jason, that's well spent. And that way they'll keep doing it next year. Those of you who uh, listen to the show may have heard me say before that I have no desire to become a slave. So sponsors keep me from slavery. If you are anti-slavery, please go to GhostBed. If you can't afford one of those uh, big beds, even though they have 0% down, 0% financing that you can get even with volunteer firefighter credit, you can go get a GhostBed pillow and you can treat your head right, even if you're just you know going to kind of uh, let the rest of your own body down. If you're a 911 dispatcher, if you're a firefighter, if you're lifting that phone or carrying 100 pounds of bunker gear up a ladder, you deserve a nice bed to sleep in at night. You deserve to have that for yourself. And, of course, we love Ghost Bed most of all because they're the only mattress that's made right here in the USA. 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 Everyone's bad at this except me. We <laughs> almost failed it. Go, go over there right now. Go use uh, the offer code Wolfpack. Support them because they support us. They can help us go strong in 2024. Also, I do, I do have to say, Jill and I have ghost ghost bed pillows. The look at how pillows. relaxed this man is. Do the you best pillows me? I've ever slept on, and that's that's no lie. This man looks so well rested. I've got like Steve's Pillow Company pillows. Look at the bags <laughs> under my eyes. Look at how miserable I am. Look at how often I make passing references to like. Really dark shit because I'm not sleeping well at night, folks. I got I got mental health problems because I got a, I got a job that stresses me out and I'm not treating myself right. I'm treating myself like a chump every single night. I'm not doing right by myself. I have got to go out there and get myself a ghost bed and uh, so that I'm not a hypocrite. But you got to do the same so that I can keep talking to you about ghost beds in the future. Also, uh, something else that's good for your for your health is uh, Factor Meals, folks. Factor Meals is with us. Uh, that's a, a company that prepares chef prepared foods by by chef it's prepared okay they put it in a box they send it to you you pick this all out in, in advance you can pick up 
uh, from a menu of 300 meals. They'll send it to you. You can choose how many you want a week. If you want a diet that's high in protein, you want to do a keto thing. If you just want to do chicken, you want to do fish, you want to do burgers, whatever it is that you like to do, they'll bring it right to your door. And I know what you're thinking. You're going to say, well, I've got a grocery store. Well, I don't know how it is for you, but when I go to the grocery store, I am running a gauntlet of insanity. That's right. I'm going through all the most terrible people in the world, narcissists all whenever I go to the grocery store. They stand there in front of the cereal section or whatever it is the thing that I buy every single week. And they stand there and they think about it like it's some kind of fucking dilemma that they just can't figure out which butter is right for them this week. They've been eating butter their whole lives, but I have to be part of their dilemma. I have to sit there and wait. I've had people ram me, ram me with carts. I have managers chase me away. I have dropped a jar of pickles in the parking lot. Jason. I didn't want to interrupt your ad rate. <laughs> you can avoid all that fucking insanity. You can have factory meals brought right to your door. You can uh, avoid the Bidenomics, the sticker shock of all the inflation. You can have the stuff brought to you. Save yourself time. Save yourself money. Uh, you can save yourself uh, the gas, you know, even though it's coming down a little bit. I don't know if you, if I have to remind you, but uh, before we had this current president, we never had gas over $3 a gallon. Don't you fool yourself for one second that it being $3.09 that you're suddenly being cut a break. Uh, stay at home, feed your family, don't be a chump, eat well. You know, all that mental health and good energy you just gave yourself on a ghost bed, keep it going through Factor Meals. Use the code WOLFPACK50 for 50% to get started. Please support Failure to Stop. Also, you can, uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, gives a five-star rating and review. That keeps us going. Thanks for supporting it. Uh, we appreciate it. And now we're going to do something never done before on Failure Stop. We're going to talk sports. Uh, why don't we talk Bill Belichick? Oh. <laughs> uh, does, I put does, a picture on the screen. Does he get fired? Wiping his, wiping his face when he was handed the worst defeat of his career at the hands of the Dallas Cowboys earlier this year. Uh, Jason. Mean, uh, the biggest someone, question, does he get fired? At does this he get point? fired? Yes, but as as a as a fan of a team in the AFC, someone who pl- had to play the Patriots every year, every other year, how do you feel about seeing him go from a, a, an unheard of dynasty of success of twenty years to rival Don Shula to basically being a poverty franchise? Tell me how that makes you feel as a Bengals fan. So, so the yeah, the question: Does he get fired? Is one, two, for for a bang, me being a Bengals fan and. I'm sure there will be comments, you know, oh, Bengals, you know, who day, who dat, all that stuff. He was our arch nemesis when we did have a good team. We'd get, you know, we'd get close to the playoffs and it was always, oh boy, we got Brady and Belichick. My question, and and it's been brought up, you know, by a bunch of my buddies and a bunch of guys at the firehouse. Was it Belichick? Or was it Brady? Was it both of them? I would like your opinion on that. Not that one single person on the team, but it's it's Tom Brady, the goat. <laughs> I mean that that guy is phenomenal. Uh, we can't we can't argue that. Bill Belichick as a coach, very phenomenal. So when they're together, you ha- you have these things you know come together. But now that Brady's gone, was it all Brady? I don't know. Well, I get what you're saying, that they're more than the sum of their parts. That, like, you know, the Belichick's intellect and Brady's abilities, you know, you combine those two things. It sounds like a winning combination. I'll tell you that I go back and forth on Tom Brady because I am of two minds about him. 
whatever my sister thinks about him, I, you know, she'll, she'll call me up or complain about Tom Brady having to see his face or it really bothers her just because he's obviously had a lot of work on his face, by the way, if you look at his rookie picture or pictures oh, of him, yeah. at Michigan, he was this puffy, like there's, I'm surprised he went as high as 299, but now he's like, Oh, he looks like he's like cut like a, out of a piece of stone. You know, he's had a lot of work done. Um, He's had a lot of luck and it's really inflated his ego. You know, he's out there saying now there's a lot of mediocrity in the NFL and it's just, you know, Tom, you, you weren't a team of one person. Like you had some pretty talented guys around he was, you. He was surrounded by great Aaron Hernandez, great. you know, a great, <laughs> uh, I mean, he's but, really good. Yes. He's well, he, he's killer. <laughs> he's killer. I'm sorry, that was really lame. I feel bad about that. I, no, I feel like, that, that I, I, feel like I, I deserve a, a, a penalty and, and repeat the doubt on that. Uh, <laughs> the thing about about Belichick is he's a genius. If he does get fired, he's going to have probably 31 jobs waiting for him in the NFL, somebody who wants him as a coordinator or some kind of guru or something. And then the college, obviously, is going to want him. So so with that, though, like he's already, he's already a head coach and a GM. He's already the GM of the Patriots. So if he loses the head coaching job, Robert Kraft, who is obviously a good businessman, made a lot of money for himself, loves the massage parlors, and that's okay. It happens. He he got hung up at you know in a scandal. And, but and was, we all forget about that, by the way. And now we now we see him and up there in the box waving at people and we're like, Yeah, yeah, he, he, he was getting a yank job at a at a, at a massage parlor like Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, but it's all Deshaun Watson wing. Right, wing. exactly. That's exactly where I was going to go with that. Keep going, though. I mean, no. So, so yeah. So it's Deshaun Watson, you know, that likes the massage parlors now. But Robert Kraft is a businessman, made a ton of money. So if Bill Belichick, he decides I don't want Bill Belichick anymore. He's already still a GM. I mean, do you keep him in a GM spot? Does Bill Belichick? And his ego go to a drop down to a college. I I don't know like how that. I don't know. I mean, it, it happens. I don't, you, I, you see it. I just don't know. I don't think someone in his position can go down. I think he's old enough to retire. I think. I think from his position, if he was to go down to defensive coordinator or something, it's a, just a, a clear step back. You know, the rest of the NFL, the coaches are all kind of in a laundry cycle, right? You'll just see Brian Flores turning up somewhere. Or, you know, Lovey Smith is still alive. You know, he's he's out there somewhere. Uh, there was there's like a head coach for the Buccaneers like ten years ago who currently plays for the Rams and. Like Wade Phillips was another one of those who just oh yeah Wade he's, stayed he's around. there. You would just see some team, and all of a sudden Wade Phillips is on the sidelines. You're like, oh, he's still here. <laughs> I don't think he could go back into the laundry cycle because of where he's been. I don't think he would have any interest in that. But let right. me ask you this: What would be the point of firing him during the season? I ask you this because, like Frank Reich just got fired from the Panthers. I don't know what that accomplishes in terms of team morale or anything. I mean, at that point, you know, the the Panthers are the only team that's worse than the Patriots. The Patriots are what two and nine something like that yeah panthers only have one win they fire frank reich i know that firing matt canada in pittsburgh you know they finally had a game where they have it over five, 400 yards of offense and so under certain circumstances i could see that whipping people into shape right saying like like no one here is expendable uh we have we have matt canada's playbook we can have someone else call these plays the leader's going to go down for the for the failure but this is the question I always ask when people don't like the quarterback for the Cowboys. And we've had to endure this recently and now not as much anymore. Who's the next man up? 
you can't just get rid of Bill Belichick because who's in line to replace him? Exactly. The Patriots, the Patriots are a poverty franchise, but the reason why they're doing so poorly right now is because they really made some bad draft choices. I think Mac Jones, I actually feel bad for the guy. I hate seeing him play because he looks like his heart's breaking every single time I see him. <laughs> He's literally hanging his head. And and it's absolutely true, right? Like his dreams of being an NFL quarterback, of of being the next Tom Brady, of being the guy that can you know, when he when he got when when he got to go to the Patriots, he probably had some kind of dream about being a competitive player, and never in his in his mind did he ever think he was going to go two and nine. So his right. dreams are falling apart. He got and Bailey, and, Bailey and Zappi relieving him. Jones, I think with Mac Jones, like going to the Patriots, like you had that you had that that aspiration because that was Tom Brady's dynasty. It's Bill Belichick's dynasty. Yeah. If you if you fit into if you get get to that spot. Dude, we're golden. Well, they lost a lot of players. Now they they still have some good players on that team. They're not playing as a team though. So Mac Jones is that that's where that's where now he's screwed. Now I think Mac Jones is a good quarterback, and I think he's going to excel in the NFL. He has to get in the right system, and I hate that term. Oh, he got to be in the right system. It's just true though. But it fits. That's it that, totally. Fits. That's why Brock Purdy is doing well. It's because he's in a good system. Exactly. Um, the thing is, is that I'm worried that if he doesn't get in that right system right away, he's going to go the way of Josh Rosen. You know, Josh Rosen's a good quarterback. He's better than me. And now he's not in the NFL at all. You know, it's <laughs> it, it, because you get a stigma attached to you. If you're the guy that just absolutely washed out and you're getting benched all the time. And I don't, I don't mean this to criticize the guy, but he, he did. He is often seen, you know, in kind of a defeated state. Doesn't not very inspiring. Uh, I don't want to see him, you know, wash all the way out just because he's a young guy and he's chasing his dreams. I, I'm always kind of rooting for. Well, that confidence. You have experience. to have that confidence. And but, and but, when, they, when the quarterbacks go through the draft process and the amount and and talking to, because I, I mean, here in Cincinnati, we, we've got the ability. Like I, I know a lot of former players, active players that. They talk about the draft process and how intense that actually is to go and sit down. I mean, you're getting a psychological evaluation done on you. You don't realize it as a young a young man. You don't realize that's happening. I'm sure they do. But you don't realize how in-depth they're going to see. Can you hold it, you know, hold your, hold your stuff under pressure? He's not – he hasn't been given a, a ton of opportunity to be able to, like, show – like you said, he looks like a battered dog every time he hits a sideline. Yeah. And you have to be able to pick that up. You have to. But aren't they in a hopeless situation? Like now the Patriots are two and nine. They really have no hope of winning the division. I know that the Bills were heavily favored to kind of take that. And then the Dolphins were slipping for a little bit. So the, the AFC East isn't quite as locked up as we thought. But, you know, the Patriots right. are just as well out of it pretty much yeah. have to win out from here and your all, all of your opponents in the division have to lose out how do you go onto that field you know with just two wins this year and have some kind of sense that you're going to do something productive i mean the only thing that you can think of is i'm going to go out there and and show what a good player i am so that i'm not a construction worker this time next year <laughs> you know you got to hope that you'll make the practice squad of some other team like will greer will greer is the number three quarterback he uh, played a, a fantastic preseason game for the cowboys and uh, that was already after they knew that he wasn't going to make the 53-man roster. And they, that's why they gave him the game. They said, you go out there against the, the Raiders and show what you can do so that these other teams could see how good you are. And that's how he got to the Patriots. I think 
I think that's the only hope for Mac Jones is that he goes out there somehow and just makes the best of every situation. He's got to stop looking defeated on the sidelines. He's got to be standing up straight, even when he gets benched. Just show that poise that no matter what, nothing's going to get to you. And his and his somehow rookie, some, somehow be on a practice squad next year. Go ahead. Yeah, his, his rookie contract, and correct me if I'm wrong, is what a, a three year. It's a three year contract. This is year number two, correct? Yeah, I think and so. I'm, I'm asking. I mean, I we we kind of went down a wormhole that I don't have all that information in front of me, but I well, think he's in. We don't two. have to be right. We're just here to entertain. So if we're <laughs> factually wrong in anything with the Patriots, I mean, you can send me a message, and I guess I'll correct it. <laughs> but if he's in year two, so he's got another year, you figure out what, what they're going to do with Belichick. Cause I, I don't foresee Belichick being there. And to your point, firing him mid season makes, it makes no sense. Just let him finish out. And I don't know what his contract is, but who, who is next in the wings? I don't know. I mean, Vrabel is probably going to be leaving Tennessee. Yeah. They're they talking about Vrabel coming back, who was a, a stellar Patriot. I mean, maybe that's it. Uh, yeah. You just got to find that system. Like you said, or like we said, you just got to find that system where he's confident, but yeah. you also have to build a team around him. I have no idea who, who could be, you know, next man up in New England. My point is, though, I just don't think there's any point in doing that. What's interesting, though, is there's, there's a lot of parallels between him and Tom Landry. By the time the 80s were wrapping up and the Cowboys weren't what they used to be, Jerry Jones buys the team. Tom Landry has a bad year. And it doesn't matter that Tom Landry is one of the greatest coaches in the in the history of the NFL, and he's the only coach the Dallas Cowboys had ever had up to that point. He still got fired. Uh, it, it, unfortunately, the NFL, even more now than it was in the 80s, is a very much uh, what-have-you-done-for-me-lately place. Yep. And even though, even though he took the Patriots from an absolute status of being nothing since 1960 in the AFL to never being anything at all to suddenly being this team where you have a whole generation of men surrounding us who have no idea what it was like when the Patriots just fucking sucked. <laughs> I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but I know a guy who's a pretty strong Patriots fan. He loves them. You know, his dog's name is Brewski. Like he absolutely loves the Patriots. Oh, Teddy. And I'm like, and I'm like, you you just wait for the day when the Patriots return to form, when they regress towards regress towards average, and you will find out that someday the Patriots are just some fucking football team. It's and they're you're gonna know what it's finally like to be in the NFL and what it's like to have bad years and to lose. And these guys are finally finding it out. <laughs> you might have a few years of being a Bengals fan. <laughs> I was gonna say, like you and I have had a hard road. You've had it a little bit worse than me. I mean, you uh, how many times have the Bengals been to the Super Bowl? Two times. Two times. Okay, one uh, being very recently in a game that, you know. Or no, three times. I'm sorry, three times. Three times, okay. Three times. Uh, Lost all three. Well, you still got to go. You know, there's there's still plenty of teams who have never been. In the NFC, the Lions are the only team that has never been. There's a few AFC teams. Uh, I'm going to say the Browns, the Texans, Jaguars, probably a fourth team. I saw, I saw a terrible terrible meme today about the lions and the fact that they're you know what their record is yeah and it said the last time the last time the lions had an eight and two record jfk still had a head yeah uh, i saw that and literally almost almost died i actually i love lions stats because you know i love i know that they've never been to the super bowl 
The last time they won their division, their division didn't exist. They, they, the last one, their division prior to the realignment in 2002. So the last time they won their division, it was actually the NFC Central. Uh, yeah. The last time they won a playoff game, Achy Breaky Heart was on the top 40. So, you know, we were like involved in the Gulf War at that time. Um, I, I feel watched, bad. I feel, I feel bad. Bye bye, uh, Barry uh, documentary on oh, Barry. You watch Sanders. it? Very, very good. Very good. I, I wanted to watch it. Barry Sanders, it's it's funny how much he has in common with Calvin Johnson, you know, Megatron. They're yes. both players who walked away from the Lions kind of in their prime. And uh, for both of these players who are arguably uh, probably two of the greatest people to ever play for Detroit, uh, because they left and bailed out on the remainder of their contracts, Detroit asked, for, asked both players for their signing bonuses back, <laughs> which just has to be like the least classy thing that you could do. Right. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I've been feeling kind of good about the Lions this year. You know, obviously they were they are leading the division. I want them to win the division just because it's something that I haven't seen in my adult life. You know, I would love to see that again. I live in the vicinity of a lot of Vikings fans who have, whose fandom is entirely unjustified. There's no such thing as a legally legitimate Vikings fan. Like they're all they're all transgressing against some kind of common sense by doing that. Seems seems like uh it's an affront to god's plan i don't know i've had a lot of feelings about that that was a question that was a question i was going to bring up to you as 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 an nfc guy and your thoughts when dobbs left arizona and went over to to minnesota like what what were you thinking when you saw that that transition First of all, I'm a Kirk Cousins fan, if you can believe that. I just think he's a really good guy. I liked how he handled COVID. I like his uh, the way that if he's you watched the open. quarterback documentary it was really good. Just showed like his his personality, his yeah. his demeanor, his character rather. He's a he's a good guy. He used to play against me in my division when he played for the Redskins. I think he's a good good player. Um, so I was sad when he got hurt. Uh, but. When Dobbs came in, everyone around here was saying, and Dobbs, we trust. And they're all like, we're all about Dobbs. That's all just noise. It's very, very typical of the Vikings. You should have been here when they're all like, yeah, we got Christian Ponder. You know, like they they, they, they always think that the, the savior for their team is right around the corner. So when Dobbs came in, everybody's going nuts about it. I asked a guy at work recently, like we were, he's a hostage negotiator with me at the sheriff's office. We were supposed to ask each other, you know, what's kind of the one thing that could get if we had to negotiate each other off off of the ledge? What's the what's the kind of the key thing that I could use? I told him, you know, if you wanted to talk to me about my faith, you know, I'm I'm definitely not going to jump. I said, what about you? I said, you know, you've got a, You've got a couple kids. What if I talk to you about being a father? And he goes, Josh Dobbs. <laughs> like that's, for, for him, that's what he wanted to live for in that moment. And here we are three weeks later. Yeah. And it's like, oh no, Josh Dobbs, the backup quarterback, is playing like a backup quarterback. Uh, I I didn't see that the game was on at work, the Vikings Bears game. I didn't watch oh, it, it with terrible. any kind of detail. Was but terrible. I, I did watch a, a reel that showed all the turnovers, and I guess if turnovers are your thing, it was a pretty cool game to watch. <laughs> so so I, I thought I thought he played. I thought he played well at at Arizona with you know being a backup, like you said, you know behind Kyler. Kyler being hurt. Yeah. I, his I don't know. first game in Minnesota, he he showed up and played it, played a good game. Yeah. So I was like, ooh, maybe this is something. But yeah. then watching the game last night, 
I literally turn it off. I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't need, I don't need to see anymore. In fairness, the Vikings Bears. I don't know if it's, this is just, I don't know if this is just like a, an anecdote that doesn't bear out in statistics because I've never checked. But I remember once, and this came up like in my my Facebook memories or something. I'm like, it's halftime, and the current score is. Bears two, Vikings zero. You know? <laughs> so it's like this is utterly typical for them where it's like you're not gonna see touchdowns, you're not gonna see anything amazing. You're watching a like a, a Bears football game from like you know 1930 where there's no forward pass or anything, you know. There's just there's not going to be any offense. So for me it was just typical and I didn't really watch it close, but I like the memes where all the teams that had had Josh Dobbs on, meaning the Browns and all these other teams are, who who really need a quarterback now and don't have one. I, so I liked it for that 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 few couple of weeks there where where Dobbs seemed to be the answer. But I guess I always knew it was going to fizzle out, and I think so it has. And I'm and I'm grateful for that because I think the I want the Lions to win the division. I've had nightmares though of the Cowboys finally reaching the NFC Championship for the first time since 1995, and then losing to the Lions. Like for me, I've told my boss like that happens. I, I will kill myself. Like just so you know, fill my just, spot. Just so you know, in late January, if that's what happens, like just start rotating the schedule around now because I'm not. And also, if the Cowboys win the Super Bowl, like I'm not, I'm not even going to call in sick on that Sunday. Like you just better know I'm not going to be there. He's a Cowboys fan too, so I think he's he's got me covered. He just he just hired a, an Eagles fan in our office, and, and I, I I threw a fit. Oh, so do we not say, have any standards up. here? I told you to ask them if they were Eagles fans. The first question that should have been a phone interview question. How did he get into this building and become a nine one one dispatcher? And he's an Eagles fan. <laughs> you telling me that literally just gave me chills. I'm like, oh, I can imagine John going into work on. Yeah, it's not good. The problem is, is he's really good and he's really nice. So I don't know how he wound up an Eagles fan. I don't know if like someone did like a pact with the devil or something because I've never met like a nice Eagles fan in my life. They're all the most horrible people. Case in point, this past weekend, like the NFL is currently investigating these Eagles fans who are issuing death threats to two Bills players. Like they were they were near the sidelines, and the Bills players actually walk oh, over there and oh, we're getting I saw into that video. That just that's typical Eagles fans. They're the worst human beings on earth. They're subhuman to me. So I've got I've got one guy at the firehouse that that's an Eagles fan and another guy at the firehouse that's a Cowboys fan, diehard Cowboy, diehard Eagle. And listening to those two go back and forth is absolutely hysterical. Nobody hates like, each other more than than us do. <laughs> it's fact. I mean, um, I can throw it and, and it would be it would be a drop down, but it would be Bengals and Pittsburgh. Like we that's that's our arch nemesis. We hate them. But I, I heard someone recently talk about who was the biggest rivalry in the NFL, and they said Cowboys, Eagles. And then, and then they started talking about, like, the Bengals and the Browns or the Bengals and the Steelers or the Browns and the Steelers. And, and don't take this the wrong way. This is kind of where the shit talk begins. I'm like, yeah, but the, the AFC North having a rivalry, isn't it? It's just like kids in the backseat of a station wagon where they're all like, oh, you know, don't touch me. And they're hitting each other. And you just you kind of just turn up the radio and keep driving. <laughs> that analogy is actually pretty good. All right, I, I and I would say, I would nice. say as, as a lifelong Bengals fan, I would say it's the Cowboys and the Eagles. I mean, I would I would put that there. We just we have ours, you have yours. But yeah. when you look at the grand scheme, yeah, I mean, I I, I see that. But I had yeah. to ask because this guy goes to multiple Eagles games a year and lives here in Cincinnati, 
And I'm like, do they really have a jail? He was like, oh, yeah. And he was like, it's usually full. At the end of every game, it's usually full. I believe they've it. They've got a jail underneath the stadium. I think that's cool as hell. I, I, I believe that. You know, something that's interesting, and this will be interesting to first responders just to kind of tailor it back in, but I have a theory about things that have gone wrong in this country the past couple of years. Something had happened before in the city of Minneapolis that had never occurred before. The Eagles won the Super Bowl there, and that's when that town for sure just turned to evil. I, I don't know if that's the cause of George Floyd or everything falling apart with the police departments being burned, like if the town was cursed by God after that. I'm not sure. But all I know is, is that none of that happened until the Eagles won the Super Bowl there. I love that segue. That's perfect. Could, could be some kind of some kind of uh, divine retribution. Speaking of the Eagles, though, I wanted to mention uh, a friend of mine's a big fan of, of the Bills, and he was texting me about this play. If you can't see it on the screen, this is Josh Allen trying to get out of a sack. An Eagles player here. You could see the the humanlessness and the vacant look on his face. Clearly, an Eagles player, probably drafted by them for his lack of soul. He's going after Josh Allen, ripping his, ripping his jersey. Clearly what you would call a horse collar tackle, right? I mean, you would call that. This play ended with Josh Allen getting an intentional grounding penalty and not a horse collar tackle. In fact, Wouldn't I believe... A, let I believe, me ask you this. Let me ask you. Go ahead. Wouldn't a horse collar be more so on that under the, under, the under green the glove bed. on the back versus here? Because you can grab a jersey. Yeah, you can. You could grab a tear jersey, you're right. They've got to get under the pads. So that um, front hand didn't look like didn't look like it was grabbing in, underneath in the fairness, pad. This is this is a still photo. Sure, like sure, sure. Can't see the whole play. Uh and, and and I don't have any skin in the game except to say this. I saw the replay. And the, and the the fact that he got an intentional grounding on that is was ridiculous in my opinion. The the Bills had what was it about 80 yards of penalties? And then I think the Eagles came out around around 30, but the Eagles didn't get any penalties until the very end. The exact same thing happened during the Eagles-Cowboys game where the Cowboys were getting penalties for everything. Absolute right. bullshit penalties. And I say that just level-headed. Like, there were things that were shocking me. Like, you could apparently grab CeeDee Lamb's arm and keep that from reaching up, and it's not pass interference. But I think what I'm seeing with the refs is that the refs uh, love the Eagles and they uh, will let them do whatever the hell they want. And then kind of near the fourth quarter, they'll call some penalties on the Eagles so that when you look at the game afterwards, like, oh, yeah, both teams had penalties. I, I, if, did, if I did see another meme with, with a new the new Eagles jersey, and it was green with black and white stripes down the middle. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, uh, that's their next year jersey. <laughs> I, I heard this great take on a podcast that I was listening to in preparation for the show because I'm not an expert, but I need to present something. We used to know a lot of referees in the league. I don't know if you remember the days when like, you would know Ed Hockley. The Ed Hockley. Ed Hockley Jr. is still a referee. But yes, he had the huge arms, and he was a lawyer. So it's like, my God, when does he, when does he sleep? He's an NFL referee, a good one, funny one. He works out all the time, and he's a lawyer. Like, you know, he is doing it all. My point being is... My podcast with the lawyer, so I realize that they're not always right. That's we well, love it. We love well. Sometimes, sometimes lawyers are, uh, you know, 
vigorously doing the wrong thing because it's legally ethical. I don't know. I don't want to get into that. This is not a podcast for lawyers, but no, to, to, to your point though. Yeah. I mean, what does he, yeah. How does he sleep? What does he do? And you know. would think this guy, pile of money. he's in, he's in tune. I mean, he should be in tune and he, he was a good, he was a good ref. I thought I loved him. Yeah. We don't have him anymore. We have these other guys. And I, the, the, the take on this podcast was very interesting. The, the take was this. They ought to have their last names on the back of their shirts so that you know you get to know who the refs are and there's a little bit more accountability. Do you know why they don't have the names on the back, though? I don't. The same reason why they have black and white stripes on their shirt. And I know that where the hell am I going with this? Okay, so they look like zebras, right? Why are zebras black and white striped? Well, it's this interruptive camouflage thing that when you're when you're a lion, you see a flock of zebras because of this interrupting camouflage. You can't tell where one zebra begins and one zebra ends. You can't identify individuals. They purposely are dressed up so that you cannot tell one from the other as you're watching TV. You don't get to know who the good refs are, the good ref, the bad refs are. And this is very much the psychological game. So the, his solution to that was like, we sh- they should have their, they have a number on the back for some reason. I don't know what the hell that number is for. Cause no one ever calls penalties on the refs. They should just put their, put their freaking name on there. I just wonder what you thought of that. Like the XFL, in my opinion, has excellent officiating because they're willing to admit that they're wrong and they're transparent the entire time when they're reviewing a play. Now that money and gambling is so huge, you would have to be naive and a fool to think that these guys aren't susceptible to just say, hey, call a few more holding calls in this game. A, a whole game can be can be completely swayed. A whole drive they, can be completely shut down by a holding call. What do you think about that? They they are literally changing the outcome of these games. And it's, you know, outside of Bengals fan, outside of Cowboys fan. And I've talked about this at, at to nauseum in the fact that if that, that horse collar call, or intentional grounding, but you know, should have been a horse collar or whatever. That guy's gonna get fined. And he's gonna get fined fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars, whatever it is. It's money that I I don't have. But knowing NFL players, former NFL players, and knowing how the money works, when they get that letter, they laugh at it in the locker room. It's delivered to them from the front office. They look at it and they're like, well, that's bullshit. And then they'll appeal it, and it's usually never upheld if they appeal it. Why aren't the referees getting fined? Let's That's put a- let's put you get three bad calls in a in a segment of time. I mean, you could write the policy however you wanted to do it, but if 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 you're wrong three times, and a coach has to challenge Zach Taylor has to challenge you in three different games. Why are you not getting fined? I I actually, at first, I was going to disagree with you and say, like, you know, there's just a different type of job and they should just be, you know, reprimanded or demoted to a, to a lesser crew. But I think if they're actually being influenced by money, that's the only way to impact the, the and encourage them to make the right call because it will lighten their wallet, particularly, and it will discourage them from say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to call defensive pass interference in this game on one occasion where it shouldn't be called because they risk that that financial reward. I mean, they're going to lose it on the back end with the fine. You know, that, that could be a 40-yard call. Yes, I mean, and I, I think we should make it a 15-yard 
penalty, by the way, just because it, it's such a huge game changing factor. Yes. Like at the end of at the end of a game, if a quarterback's just not having luck, he'll part of the strategy is he'll throw it way downfield and just hope that that corner does something that the refs will call. That's a, that's on a strategy, which is not playing the game. Right. But I'm getting like you were getting me riled up and all all confused. Like I'm I'm seeing ghosts out here, but <laughs> but. <laughs> So they, you have to find them to keep them from making these these ridiculously bad calls. Defensive pass interference used to be that you would never call that on a, on a on a throw where it was not a catchable ball. I'm Correct. seeing them call that on cases where, like, even if this guy doesn't have his arm here or, or a hand on him or he's not restricting his movement or the cornerback looks like he's supposed to, if the ball's never catchable, if it lands out of bounds, it's not DPI, you know. I think it would have been 15 yards up this way. But but to 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 go back around to the refs being crooked, which is a hell of a thing for me to say, they can take advantage of that though. This is where they could say, I'm gonna flip the script on this game and say, you know, if, if this is DPI and all of a sudden this is the same thing as a 40, 45 yard completion, that completely changes the outcome of the game. And and, and to throw a, even and it this just kind of came to me, but throw this in at me being a Cincinnati guy. All of their phones need to be accessed to see if they're betting because they could pull a Pete Rose, who is the greatest hitter in all of baseball. He bet on baseball, but never bet on his team. I don't care what anybody says. Never bet on his team except to win. He never bet them to lose. He didn't fix the game. He didn't pull a 1919 White Sox, but... I actually know all of those references. I'm amazed by this. I feel really good about myself. I'm I'm proud of you. Thank you. (laughs) But these guys, these guys need everything. If if you're going to be an NFL referee, all of your stuff now with, with the sports bank needs to be accessible to where they can follow, you know, your, your browser, where were you at? What app are you on? Are you betting? Which they shouldn't be allowed to bet. Just like the players aren't allowed to bet in the clubhouse, which I think is ridiculous. They shouldn't be allowed to bet at all. Yeah, they just can't bet in the clubhouse. But these guys, these guys need to be fined. And if you screw up once, yeah, we're human. Everybody's human. So you screw up once and you miss a call. Got it. You're not going to get every one of them. But when you have two or three, whatever the policy would be, all right. Now that's a twenty five thousand dollar fine. That these, you know, granted these athletes are making more money than the refs are, but they're still making a good amount of money. So how about you be you do your due diligence and make the calls and make I, the calls the way they should be. I think you may be onto something there. Like, you know, to become a police officer in many jurisdictions, you have to turn over your social medias, which is something that I think fine is unconstitutional, but it's something I don't really like. But I've talked to police officers and say, Hey, you know, I'm applying for this job and I've got to turn over all my socials. And I tell them, like, you don't you don't need to do that. Like you should fight that. And you're like, Well, I want to work there. So it's something that they they allow, like they say, I'm willing to give up this bit of privacy to work here. I think if you want to go work in one of the biggest industries in the world, a world that's now being influenced by gambling, you should have that transparency. Yep. The NFL has been rocked by uh, betting scandals before. Back in 1963, you had Alex Karras, who played for the Lions. You had Paul Horning, who played for the Packers. It was ver- they were very much like in- to Shoeless Joe Jackson and the 1919 Black Sox saying, you know, that they were ruining the integrity of the sport. I'm telling you now, the integrity of the sport is under threat. We're all saying the game is scripted. We're all saying, you know, oh, the the Eagles and the Chiefs are going to play. Who are the refs going to go for, you know? 
there's so much talk about that because the officiating is so bad. We have got to do something to change the officiating so it's more transparent. I mentioned the XFL. What happens with the XFL? Well, what happens is, is that, the, you know, as the referees are getting together on the field, they're sitting there talking about what they, they said. They're mic'd up. You can hear them. You could say, hey, I saw, you know, an offense number 63 lined up in the neutral zone or whatever it is that they're seeing. And then if it's completely wrong, you've got this sky judge, this guy who's like, who's if he sees something with the cameras and he has access to everything, if he sees this and he, they're just way wrong, he's like, guys, I'm overruling you. And the referee on the field doesn't get all butthurt about it. There's no egos. There's just like they know that the XFL is going to be something that's primarily going to succeed because people are gambling on it. And so they get it right. And the NFL needs to get the stick out of their ass and they need to follow the example of the XFL. The NFL has this terrible problem where if it's not their idea, they don't want to do it. Now, they've kind of on the back end taken some of the things that the XFL has done in recent years in the preseason, they're throwing in some of those specialized plays where like, instead of punting, you can go for, you can have the special fourth and 25 or whatever. They need to just full on be absolutely transparent with, with the refereeing or I don't know how you maintain that credulity. You, you're going to backslide into almost being like wrestling where it's, where it's fixed or predetermined. Well, in a way, in a way you could fix that is, and, where baseball is trying to shorten the game, you know, with the pitch clock and, and, you know, so many visits to the mound, which I don't necessarily agree with. I hated it in the beginning, but I see it, but review, make every penalty reviewable and send it to New, New York the way they do all these other big penalties, send it to New York because if somebody lined up in the neutral zone, but they didn't, it looked like they did from one angle. Maybe, that could be a game changer. I mean, all of these penalties. Maybe I mean, just have it. You can actually reset the penalty. You can you can rewrite the book to say, you know, what how many yards per penalty. But you need to set it to like anything that's longer than 15 yards. Is um, definitely reviewable. Or, or anything that's 15 yards is reviewable or anything that's half the distance to the goal because you're obviously in a situation there where you're so close to the goal line. Yeah. Uh, just have have it reviewable, and and that's the thing is they they've changed so much about it because they want to increase the speed of the game, uh, a lot of things to increase the safety of the game because games are going over three hours, three and a half hours. I, I get it; you want the game to go faster, but it's ultimately people are going to stop watching it if they think that it's fixed. Right? It, yeah, you're, you're gonna you're gonna push your market out, and I'm glad you brought that up though because that that is to me like the biggest thing. Hold the referees, umpires, whatever you want to call them, accountable. Their yeah. players are getting fined. Why wouldn't you? The other thing that's that's bullshit about this, if I could continue to go down this line, is why are players getting fined on plays when the refs don't throw the flags? To me, I don't think you should get a fine. If the ref didn't see it, it must not have been that bad. Why the hell are you getting a fine later if the refs didn't throw a flag on it? Particularly for any kind of spearing or any kind of tackling that you shouldn't have been doing. If they said that you led with the crown or whatever, it's like, well, the ref didn't see it. You know, that should be proof enough that it like wasn't intentional. If you're out there playing a game and you're, you know, the plays last only a couple seconds and you're you're doing whatever it is your job is as hard as you can and as fast as you can, and circumstances are just gonna happen, shit's gonna happen, the football is gonna football is gonna be played. I I think we have got to we've got to get rid of that because when someone's out there running and they've got to take down this guy, they gotta tackle this guy. They're not going to if they're if they're a good player at all. They're not going to change the way that they're going to try to bring this guy down because oh yeah, I got that letter from the front office saying, you know, I've got to pay 
you know, $25,000 for the way that I hit this guy this past week. You've got to let them play. Again, just calls for better officiating. If that means you need another another side judge, line judge, or something to look at these guys and what they're doing, just have a guy specifically looking for those kinds of egregious infractions. Fine. Uh, maybe have him throw a green flag so that it's like it doesn't stop the clock or the or the pace of the game or anything. But have somebody at least on the field say, "Hey, I saw this." Because what we have now is the NFL basically going back and to make themselves look good. We're making the game safer. We don't like concussion movies starring Will Smith. We're we're finding players who are playing too rough or whatever. Uh, it's just it's as transparent as their end racism logo at the at the end of the football field. It's just about looking <laughs> exactly. good. Exactly. Oh my God, you beat me to it. But and, and it's turning it's turning it into the flag football league. Yeah, I mean, and, and now we, we players have can't play the way that they were taught to play. Yeah. Now they have to. Now they have to slow up. It's eight seconds of car crashes, sixty times. You know, yeah. you know, sixty times a game, seventy times a game. It's eight seconds of car crashes, and that's what it is. But so, they signed up I, for it; they knew it. Yeah, something I learned in COVID is that one of the deepest forms of respect you can give to someone is give them the respect to make to take their own risks, right? So you don't you don't agree with it? You're worried. You hear the you hear the stories about these kids in college who get tackled wrong and it breaks their neck and they die or they get paralyzed or whatever. Well, these guys have have a tremendous opportunity to go out there and make lots of money, generational wealth for their family. There's risk like that, like there is in everything. Like I could drive to work and I could get paralyzed from the neck down and I'm not doing that for millions of dollars. I, you know, let these guys take the risk to go out there. Yes, make it as safe as possible with the equipment, but do let them play the game. Yeah. I mean, you're you're taught in pop order football, head up into the chest, wrap up, take them to the ground. If somebody, I was, I was if, taught the same thing, but it was about lifting water jugs. <laughs> we grew up in different places. Uh, I think we, I think we grew up with different amounts of talent. Is what it was. Well, I definitely didn't have any football talent. Oh, my! I, uh, I'll, it, never it, for, I'll never forget. I'll never forget what. I will never forget what my my football coach said to me back at Old Denby High School. Go Patriots! Go said Patriots. to me, he said to me, Jonathan. You're a very talented artist. <laughs> here's some here here's some here's some colored pencils. He he ripped the decal off of my helmet. It was really it was really harsh. I deserved it though. Uh, I'm going to ask this. Does that really happen? No. Okay. Good. <laughs> no, I never I never had the money or familial support to do anything extracurricular. Um, <laughs> moving on from uh, sad sad family time. Speaking of Frank Reich. We mentioned Herman earlier. He just got let go from the from the Panthers. What does that do for them? Does that help them at this point? Or they do they think that they could could they get like a trade for Frank Reich? I mean, what the hell is the point of letting him go at this point? I don't know. So I didn't I didn't have a chance to send this send this article to you, but with Frank Reich being fired and what they they brought in his his special team coach as being the uh, the interim. Yeah, there is now word potentially that Greg Olson would be interested in becoming the head coach. I love it. You know why? Panthers. Why? I hate when he calls games for Fox. <laughs> so his contract is done after this season and Tom Brady is taking over for him with yeah, that huge I mean, ass can, contract. Brady can come in whenever he wants. Yeah. We all knew that, that Olson was on some kind of clock there. So, 
so they put they put Frank Frank Reich into uh, the realm of uh, Urban Meyer, released midseason. Uh, there was another guy I I didn't recognize his name, but apparently wasn't that good of a coach. And then <laughs> the other coach was Reich that got released from the Colts midseason. Yeah. So they're they're putting Reich in the same in the same realm that he's already been in, being released midseason. But yeah, Greg Olson supposedly has some interest, and I don't know whether the the team does. But I found that kind of kind of amusing because I'm not a big fan of his uh, his play calling either. No, he's uh, he's almost as bad as Jason boy, Witt, Jason Witten, which I say with a heavy heart because Jason Witten is pretty much my guy. I, he's my probably my favorite player ever, but he didn't. He's doing a good job with the Division II school right now. I, I haven't been keeping up with him. I need to. I need to figure out what, what's going on with him. I figured he was probably coaching somewhere, but um, some Division II uh, college. A lot of players uh, go out there and do great things in their football careers after the, the NFL. I know John Kitna was someone that went out there and coached a high school team. And one of my favorite stories from him was he was a backup at Dallas, and I believe it was maybe 2015. And there was the last game of the season, and they had no quarterbacks left. I think maybe Romo was out, and uh, Stephen McGee was down. And so John McGee or uh, John Kitten is at home. You know, he's already he's a he's a high school football coach. This is this is a January though, or December. Nothing to do. They call him out of retirement, and they suit him up with the number three. He goes out there and plays one game for the Dallas Cowboys for like league minimum, which is like under twenty five thousand dollars. Gave all the money to the school. I just love that story. Hopefully Jason Witten out there is, is doing great things like that. I so even though we don't, we, I mean, I will support Dallas because my brother's a huge Dallas Cowboys fan and always has been. Plus you're in, live in America with America's protections and we're America's team. Go ahead. And Roger Staubach graduated literally probably 10 miles from where I'm sitting right now. He graduated from here, but, yeah. uh, my brother's a huge, huge Cowboys fan always has been, but, uh, is he, was our the, is he available to do the show? I can get him on. Absolutely. To like replace you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a good good test run, I guess. Just just kidding. No, I, I want <laughs> you to keep going. <laughs> no, but so John Kitten was our backup when Carson Palmer went down when when Von Olhoffen busted his knee up. Everyone said it was a dirty hit. It was a clean hit. But that was that was our chance. That was that was oh five oh six. That was Ocho Cinco, TJ Husbanzada. Kitna came in, you know, let her drive, and you know, did what he could do. Kitna is now a high school coach here on the in the other direction, probably twenty miles from where I sit. Sweet, so, that's awesome. to bring that to bring that to bring that in. So I will try to get John Kitna. And bring him to this, and that if way you get, the Dallas Cowboys can. If you get John Kitten on the show, I don't know what I'll do, marry you or something. I don't know. He's literally <laughs> super, super close to me, dude. You, so you, you're sort of you're sort of honored and creeped out. So it's like every romantic relationship I've ever had. I'll just sit here and let you two just kind of oogle over each other. Honestly, if John Kitten is coming on the show, like I'm gonna prepare and like be super professional and like not try to alienate john kitna because 
I like him a lot. He's obviously a big, uh, big in Lions community too. So I like to talk. Yeah, to him absolutely. Going out with the Lions. I always like. He was. I've met him a couple different times just in passing. Super, super nice guy. You know, very. I mean, backup quarterback for most of his career, but just super humble. And that's what I love about professional athletes that are like that. Hey, I'm just doing a job, and I'm gonna try to do it the best I can, and. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, then they'll let me go. In some ways, the backups are almost uh, the guys you got to like more because, first of all, they're the underdogs. They have the best job. They do. They have the best job. They're getting paid millions of dollars to just kind of come in and get a chance to be a hero. But if they don't, like, you don't, you're not, you're not mad at them, right? Like, when I I went to the Cowboys Vikings game on Halloween a couple years ago, and right before the game started, Cooper Rush came out. So I didn't get to even watch Dak Prescott play which is funny because the previous time i'd gone to a cowboys game i went to go see tony tony romo play and he was injured so i had to watch dak prescott the backup play i've never seen a starting quarterback for the cowboys ever play you should never go to well that game i went to uh in in minneapolis was also jason witten's first game with zero receptions for zero yards in his entire career so he's my favorite player so i show up and he gets nothing that game Uh, i tell you i'm poisoned Poisoned you're like you're like schlep rock I don't know what I'm like. All I know is, is that I got to be careful about going to these games because I'm bad. I'm bad for the team. In <laughs> fairness, Romo, what happened with Romo is that I I knew the writing was on the wall. It was probably his last season before he got traded or retired. I'm like, I'm I've loved Tony Romo this entire time. I'm gonna go see him play. I'm gonna go lay out the hundreds of dollars to go do this. I did I lay this out in preseason. I buy the tickets. I figured out. Did you go to Dallas? It was in it was in Minneapolis. Oh, okay. Which is a shorter drive for me. I need to go to Dallas. Um, oh, you have to. Without you going to. into it on air, I I know someone who's close to me who has been to Dallas and created all kinds of jealousy in my heart. But <laughs> I didn't I didn't get to see Tony Romo play, and I he, you know I saw him there, so I got to like look at him very very small in front of me. I've been in the same building as Tony Romo, but it's not as good as your story. Uh, I don't even know what's going with this, but uh, I'm bad for the I'm bad for the Cowboys the the times that I've seen him play. Five minutes ago, what was I talking about? I don't remember. I was just thinking about Tony Romo and his his dimples and his more, chestnut brown eyes, and now I don't remember what the hell I was talking about. I'm more concerned about if you want your team to win, don't go see them. That's what I'm concerned that, well, about. Well, they won both times. That's the amazing thing is with backups both times. They you know, with the 2016 season with Dak Prescott, you know, had like a 13, 10 to 13 game winning streak or whatever. I believe it might have even been full 13. Maybe they won 13, 13 games that season and they had a long streak. So he was doing amazingly well. Cooper Rush won that game against uh, the Vikings. That was funny because we were in the bathroom and uh, all, all of a sudden the news came out that Dak Prescott wasn't going to be starting. And all these Vikings players are all around me and they're all talking shit. And I'm in the bathroom. Like I'm in the place where I will be <laughs> R worded and killed. And I'm you like, were- we're going to beat you with our backup. And sure enough, we went up there and did it. There's this guy in front of me who had clearly been doing cocaine all day. Cause he's super annoying. He's like turning around and touching me and being annoying. He, he wasn't drinking beer or anything, but he remained intoxicated the entire time. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, so he's being annoying, but then in the end of the game, we went 17 to 15. He stands up and he just, without saying a word, you know, and I grab on to him and another like moment of kind of a saltish behavior. And I said, Hey man, listen to me. You don't have a lot to live for. Certainly not the Minnesota Vikings, but I want you to be safe tonight. Commit to safety. Can you do that for me? He's just like, yeah. And then I let him leave. You know, but it's like 
He was Got trash public service announcement. He was trash talking me all night. So I, I had to remind him that the Vikings were not a reason for him to feel joy in life. That was I got out of there without being murdered, which was also cool, you know, because this was like 2021 downtown Minneapolis. So, uh, so that's two that's two wins for you that night. That was really two wins. The mere fact that I didn't, you know, <laughs> you know I was this look at me. I'm obviously like this conservative white guy, probably voted for Trump, probably not standing arm in arm with the Black Lives Matter guy wearing a white jersey downtown <laughs> Minneapolis on Halloween, which, by the way, Minnesota is serious about Halloween. I don't know how I got out of there without getting killed. It was an amazing and breathtaking night. I don't know how well, I got I'm glad you did. I'm glad I don't you know did. I forgot it. You, do you go to a lot of Bengals games? Is that something you get to enjoy since you actually live in the town where they play or are nearby it? I, I try. We try to get to at least two, preferably three, but at least two we went to the home opener and then went to another one we're gonna try to get to another one even though even though joe burrow's hurt and our yeah. chances are not good but we'll still yeah. go down it's still a fun environment we we have a we have a great a great city for you know encompassing that tailgates and and whatnot you still have your dickhead you know your dickhead fans that whether they're opposing fans or our fans i that's what i hate that's what i hate I was going to say, I wish I was making firefighter money and I could afford to go to two NFL games a year, but I'm guessing that there's just the ticket prices for the Bengals just are probably not that much, huh? No, they're, no, they're fucking expensive. Oh, sorry. They're expensive. They're expensive. <laughs> you could expect more of this going forward where I just low key insult you, like, oh, yeah, well, Bengals tickets are probably like yes. what, $25. I can't wait for that. Um, I'm actually not going to do it's that. No, it's no different right. than you and I have the phone call right now. Yes. I'll say this about the Bengals. I got nothing against them. They never bothered me before. So since I they can't stop the Cowboys from going to the Super Bowl, they can only stop them from winning it. I say go for it, Bengals. Uh, I'm really I'm actually sorry that they had this big success with Joe Burrow, and then I don't know what's going on with that team where they were having him play on an injured calf, and then like secretly had him have an injured hand. I yeah, I saw it's... the picture of his hand where it was like swollen to the size of a baseball mitt. That wasn't good. Yeah, he. he... I don't know. I mean, I can't. I can speculate, but he he shouldn't have played. The, he shouldn't have played the game that they pulled him out of. He shouldn't have played it because I think he heard it in the Texans game, but they didn't say anything, and that's where the NFL's investigating. Actually, which good for them as they should, because if the Bengals didn't disclose that he was questionable, but they said he was good to go, I, I don't agree with that because. Well, I, I agree with what you're saying, but at the same time, like, yeah, the NFL, the most ethical organization on earth with their, with their but that kid, that kid just signed the biggest contract. He beat Deshaun Watson. He's now he signed the biggest contract. And now here he is on the sideline, just had surgery yesterday. Everything went well from what we hear, but yeah, he'll be, he'll be, he'll be back. He'll be back, but it's, it's tough having those seasons be set by injury. I remember, you know, yeah. when, Tony Romo's last season, 2016, when he was injured, it just sucked. You just don't want to see that. When you sign it, you sign this big contract, and 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 my city is not used to that. The Brown, the Brown family, Paul Brown, who essentially made football what it is today, for the most, you know, in the beginning, beginning parts. Yeah, the Brown family actually came off their wallets and paid a guy who who is very he, he's worth it it's just he's injury prone so we have to protect him we're slowly getting there so it's 
It's been that's, a long time. I, I've, I've been a I've been a horrible Bengals fan, and when I say horrible, is the fact that I've dealt with the the wallows of Bengaldom. We call it Bengaldom here. Oh, of just shit shit seasons. Achilles mm-hmm. Smith, David Klingler, all our all our first round draft picks end up getting hurt somehow or another. It just is what it is. But yeah. We went to the Super Bowl with with Joe and I think we'll go back. It's just going to take a little bit of time. I don't I don't mind seeing that cuz uh and I don't have anything against Patrick Mahomes, but I get sick of the way the media treats him. They treat him exactly like they did Tom Brady. This guy will take a snap and then he'll he'll get under, he'll be rushed. He runs out of the pocket, runs to his left. He's looking around. He's doing like this thing where his arms going this way and his head's going the other way. You get Al Michaels or somebody else. And this is nothing specifically against him, but anybody. Chris Collinsworth. Chris Collinsworth is a fucking Bengal. I fucking hate that guy. I can't listen to I him. I don't like Troy Aikman listening to him. So I get you, man. We got um, it. Get, yeah, I get you. But anyway, so he'll scramble out of the pocket. And then he goes, and here's here's Patrick Mahomes doing what Patrick Mahomes does. And then like he tosses it out of bounds. They are so <laughs> they so want to be the the announcer that calls like the quintessential Patrick Mahomes play so that when it gets played on his Hall of Fame induction, you know, they kind of get the award winning broadcast. And they they all they all want that. Like that's a thing, right? Like Jim Nance is uh, he's getting a lot of props right now for how he he called the the play where Deron Bland intercepted the Washington ball and ran it back for uh an NFL record six pick sixes in a season. I believe it's five or six. Either way, he set the record, and Jim Nance did a real yep. good job calling it. And Tony Romo, even right then, he goes like, "Yeah, oh, that was a really the way you called that was really good. That was really professional." So these these announcers are so annoying. I'm going to be honest with you. I either I either find the game on the radio and watch it on TV and listen to those announcers because they're somehow less annoying, and probably because they don't get to rely on the visual product at all. Or I actually will just watch it in silence. I've done that before where I'll sit there at home on a Sunday and I've got the game on. And if the announcers are someone who's annoying the ever-loving fuck out of me, I just turn it off the sound. You actually don't yeah. need the sound if you know the game well enough. Just watch the plays. I, we have digressed into like 100 different directions on that. So I apologize for yeah. anyone who doesn't give a shit about a third of those things or even all of them. Uh but that's just how I feel about various things. And, uh, you know, this is my manifesto and, uh, this is my show, I guess, and Jason's show. So he's probably going to say some, some weird things on here that we'll regret later someday. Um, but not right now. Uh, what else is going on? I, I know that you wanted to talk, uh, Michigan and Ohio state. Is it okay if I put you on the spot now to talk about that before we look ahead to the, to the weeks and the week ahead in the NFL? You can, uh, it's a very, very disappointing time for me. Uh, huge Ohio State fan, and my Super Bowl is Ohio State, Michigan, and three years in a row we have lost. So I have my questions about Ryan Day. I'm not saying he should be fired, but I have my questions. I also have my questions about Kyle McCord as the guy, the quarterback. I don't think he is. He he made he, he played a, a decent game against Michigan, but right bottom line, and this can be real real brief and real quick. Ryan Day has to beat Michigan. You have to beat Michigan. Harbaugh was getting blasted because he didn't beat Ohio State. He wasn't even there because he was on a suspension, and Ohio State still didn't win. So I'm a little salty about it, but that's that's the way that's the way football goes. And I pull it into a to a Cincy motto is "There's always next year," but that's my Super Bowl. I, I mean, I love NFL, but 
Ohio State, Michigan, that that's the thing. And I don't know. It, it was a good game. I mean, Michigan, I feel like should have beat us way more than the way they did, but we just have to we have to see how now the college the college football things shake out, you know, and, and see, you know, my buddies were texting me and I said, go win a championship now. Don't talk shit to me. Just go win a championship. So you're friends with Michigan fans? I associate. Okay. I'm an outsider. Like my college My college football team is a division two team that they're four time national champions, but they are not a big deal. I can tell you the only game that for them matters is the one that's our, our rivalry. Like we don't care about any of the other games that happen in the season. Yeah, we want to win them all. But the only game that really matters, the game that defines you as a coach, whether or not you'll be back next year, is did you win this specific game? It's the game that everybody attends. It's the game where after after we win or lose, the whole the whole neighborhood breaks down into noise complaints all night long. You know, for me, it's an Iowa dispatcher. Um, but I, I want to ask you, because I'm, I'm really an outsider to the whole Ohio-Michigan thing. I know you guys hate each other a lot. It's huge. I know I've, I've 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 tried to like follow closely certain big college teams because I want to be a part of that world. I want something to do on a Saturday besides yard work. Growing up, you know, it was like the Hokies or the Cavaliers was sort of the local teams. I don't feel terribly strong about either team. I'm trying to. But I know that Michigan, you know, Tom Brady and then you got Ohio State, you got Ezekiel Elliott. So there's just a lot of players that are coming out of there. We've Why got do you Marvin, guys... Marvin Harrison Jr. this year, who is just a, a beast. I mean, his I dad was hard... a beast. I could hardly go into it, but like, why do you guys hate each other? And then I have a follow up question. So Woody Hayes was the was the football coach. I mean, years years ago, fifties. I mean, I can't give you the exact dates, but Woody Hayes was like the guy. Always wore a ball cap. You know, these horn rim glasses. Short, short slacks, and he was the one. And, and I don't know if I'm sure you've probably seen the clip where Michigan guys coming down the field, and he literally punches him from the sideline. Like it's just like that, like drastic. Like it. Bo Shemba, Bo Beckler was uh, Michigan's coach, you know, for a lot of years. So like it's just always been this rivalry. I mean, and I'm only 44, so I don't know, like. I mean, I know the, some of the history, but I don't know exactly why. But Woody Hayes would not stop for gas in Michigan. When he crossed the border, he made sure he was full. And this is way back when, when he's driving his own car to the game, would not stop for gas. Like it's that that much of a hatred. We we call it TTUN, the team up north. Yeah, when I know that. Hit, I know that you hate the identity to where you're. Their fire department, they will put, like on on the Columbus, the M, they will put black tape on all their squad cars, all their fire trucks. It's that big of a rivalry. I I have seen that, and I have seen the way that you guys, like even when you have to post their logo, like you're crossing out the M and all this. As As someone who's 44 years old and you don't know all the history and tradition, would you say it's fair that Michigan fans and Ohio State fans Teach their children to hate. Okay. Absolutely. He's nodding his head. Yes. He's just Absolutely. like, yes, the hatred Absolutely. gets passed down generation to generation. It's like grandpa's land or grandma's 
you know, <laughs> recipe for cookies is hatred for the other team. I get you. Okay. It's exactly how it is. As, lo- as long as we're clear about that. And uh, final question, just because I'm an outsider, so I guess I'll speak for anyone who doesn't understand college football. What do you think about the whole Harbaugh thing? Wasn't he already suspended early in the season? I remember looking at the schedule and he was like suspended like three games and then they were like they were like not really strong contenders. It looked like their schedule was backloaded with all the really important games being near the end of the season. Yeah. Now he's suspended again. Like, what do you think about all that? His his recruiting stuff got got him suspended, and then this whole sign stealing thing that that showed up, what, what was that, three weeks, four weeks ago? He, he, I mean, he's he's been under under a microscope, and I'm not gonna, because I don't know, you know, all the specifics. But every college team steals signs. Yeah, he just got caught. That's the unfortunate part is he got caught, and that's why he he this was his last his last suspension game because he's been suspended for the last three weeks. Ohio State was his last game. That he was suspended for, but it, but he was already suspended earlier in the year, though. Didn't they resuspend him or something like? Don't you see they, this as maybe like an under like underhanded political thing to make sure he didn't show up against Ohio State? I I absolutely I absolutely do agree with that. Okay, I'm I an th- outsider, think, and I look at this. No, like, I think that's know, factual. I Kennedy think- versus CIA. Like I'm trying to figure out like <laughs> what's really going on here. You know, I know it's not as obvious as just. Well, Harbaugh did the wrong thing, and for the for the integrity of the sport, we're gonna. I knew that like the timing of things worked out. Oh, like, it, it totally worked out. And, and as the and as the we talked about the NFL being a little bit, you know, shady, whatever you want, whatever term we want to use for this to not get banned. The NCAA is the exact same way. Oh, I know they are because exactly. there's money, and we don't have to like we don't have to throw shade on them for being what they are. It's just that's where money is. It's the same thing in politics, sports, anything else. We don't have to say, well, the NFL and the NCAA are especially corrupt because of these things. Like, look, look, look at City Hall, and then maybe just realize that, and although it's not okay, like that stuff just goes on wherever people are involved and wherever there's money. And there's certainly a lot of money in the NCAA. So, yep. Looking ahead to uh, the Bengals, they're playing the Jaguars. You don't have Jesse Bates there to make pick sixes and force fumbles. Great player. I don't know if you know this, but he and I are related, very closely related. Uh, do you, are you going to be able to take down, take down the Jaguars, who are pretty much locked up the South? I have, I have my, I have my doubts. I mean, we're not good in prime time. That's obviously been already. Are you pretty superstitious? Are you superstitious? Are you superstitious about that sort of thing? Like they say, Kirk Cousins can't win in prime time. Is the Bengals? Oh, I totally. Am. And and now we're throwing now we're throwing a we're throwing a backup quarterback that we have a quote unquote third string quarterback in AJ McCarron. Who why we didn't start him last week? Who was played in the NFL? One USFL, XFL, XFL one USFL championship, and should have won us one of our first. Uh, playoff games when he was still with the Bengals, we had some we had some penalties that that fucked that all up. But we should, I mean, we should have won that game. Why are we not starting him? So if they start Jake Browning, no, we don't take we don't take uh, Jacksonville down. Unfortunately, I'll watch it and I'll be pissed off, and then you and I, I'm sure, we'll talk about it. 
Yeah. What's the name of that guy who's the quarterback for the Jag Jaguars again? The re- I reason Trevor I can't Moore. remember his, his name is because I hate his haircut so bad. It always every time I see him, they say Trevor Lawrence was played a game of his life. Then he comes on screen and he's this really nice guy. Probably he's sunshine. Who, he's sunshine from Remember the Titans. Yeah, but then he, but the, yes, but then he's like his hair is just like it's really distracting. It's bothersome <laughs> to me. It like makes me feel like a bad person somehow looking at his hair. Do you get do you get feelings <laughs> like that from him? All I see is sunshine for remember the Titans. He's, he's hey, man, like he's, hey, it's good. It's cool. He just seems like he's better than me. I, I don't know. It really puts me off. He has better hair than you. He does have better hair. And he's also like has enough money to buy and sell me into human sex trafficking. Not that he would. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying he has that kind of money. Potential. Um, also looking ahead, I know this is a game that I, I kind of look when I texted you earlier, I said this is a game to look forward to chiefs Packers, but I guess really not, you know, the Packers are not what they used to be. It's in my mind, it's kind of default that like a pack, the Packers are a team to watch, but this year I'm enjoying this. Like, just like I have with the Patriots, they've enjoyed 30 years of hall of fame quarterbacking really since the Cowboys stopped winning super bowls. It's the Packers have been the team in the NFC to beat more or less most every year. And now they're just another fucking team, just like the Patriots are. They're sort of the, the Patriots of over over here on this side of the conference. And I don't really mind. I don't mind seeing Packers fans finally figure out what it's like to, to just fucking suck because they've had a, a just a hell of a run as a team. You know, they weren't good in the 50s. They were great in the 60s. Things kind of slumped, you know, after Bart Starr became coach and then the Brett Favre era. But now they're, they're a new generation, just like the people that are fighting at the Patriots are, are mortal after all. And they're just a fucking football team. Same thing's happening to the Packers. I just wish the same thing would happen to the Chiefs because the Chiefs have been kept humble most of my life. And now all these annoying Chiefs fans are coming out of the woodwork. And with the Taylor Swift bullshit, it's a you see maps where like this is the NFL fandom, you know, over a geographic area. And all these provinces in Canada are claiming to be Chiefs fans. Like that's fucking bullshit, by the way. (laughs) There's so much bandwagoning going on with the Chiefs. I hate bandwagoners. Like for me, when the Cowboys win the Super Bowl this year and every year after this, I will be rewarded for having suffered all of these many years in the desert of not winning. No one will ever be able to say I'm a bandwagon fan because there's a picture of me every year wearing a Dallas Cowboys t-shirt. Hate bandwagoners. That's the biggest thing I see right now with Chiefs fans. They're driving me nuts. So I guess I'm actually hoping that the Packers beat the Chiefs. I saw I saw a TikTok of a, bu- a bunch of girls watching football and it, you know, they had the, the Sunday night football logo up in the corner and it was like Swift nation foundation or some, some bullshit like that. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> I don't even I can't know. Do it. Nope, I don't not, even know how not. to really address the subject. Cause I'm not a Taylor Swift fan either. I don't think I've ever heard any of her songs, but I don't like the synergy that's going on with that. I know that she's a really big deal. Like, she she has sold more albums than the Almond Brothers. Like that's like the only metric that I have to go by. That she's some kind of big deal. But I don't I don't like them kind of being uh, the new the new Patriots. I don't like listening to Chris Collinsworth, uh, you know, unbuckling his pants every time Patrick Mahomes puts his helmet on. <laughs> kind of gross for me to say that, but it's how I feel. Sorry about sorry about that, everybody. Uh, want to say congratulations to Deron Bland. He broke uh, the record. I just checked it. It was yep. uh, five pick sixes. Detractors will say, we'll look at the teams the Cowboys have beat this year. They've been beating up on all these losing teams. He still is at the record. He's the record is record. He's still a second-string corner behind Trevin Diggs, who went down earlier this year with a season-ending injury. Congratulations to him. It's been fun to watch. I have missed 
I have missed days of excellent defense and excellent secondaries. Seeing a cornerback go out there and, and, and pick players off, it's wonderful, right? Like everyone hates defense for some reason. It's such an offense heavy league. I love defense. I love seeing seeing the takeaways. Reminds oh, that makes, the, yeah, that makes it. That makes the game. Reminds me of the golden era with Deion Sanders, even though he obviously didn't have a single season record, which surpassed Deron Bland's, you know. So I really love watching this. Deron Bland kind of a guy in the background, but now he's he's gonna be a practice this year. So just congratulations to him. Thanks for making my Thanksgiving. At that moment, I was cheering and annoying the shit out of everybody in my house. Uh so I love that. Uh Detroit, you need to get back on track. You're kind of flailing out there, but we want you to win the division. Congratulations to Denver for winning five in a row. You have increased your chances of making the playoffs from 1% to 35%, which is a big deal. If you're a, a if you're a Denver fan, you've got something to hope for that you can make the playoffs, but you're probably not going to get past the Chiefs, which is ultimately who's going to keep you from going anywhere. Um Pittsburgh, they also just broke a 58 game streak of not making 400 yards of offense. Against which, the Bengals. Against the Bengals and other teams. But to me, 58 games just seems like a horrendous streak. You know, they didn't they didn't plan for anything to ever happen. They thought Ben Roethlisberger was just going to be around for all time because no matter how bad Ben got hurt, like he just kept playing. He just he literally was a crash test dummy. But for you to say for you to say that Brady is a goat or whatever, I would I know you hate Roethlisberger. You have to by law, the same way that I hate Donovan McNabb or Randall Cunningham. Doesn't matter how good they are, you have to hate them. But I liked I liked the way Big Ben played better because he took oh. the hits. I see Brady like somebody's rushing him. He just lays down. That's why he was able to play so long. The guy never got hurt. Ben Roethlisberger couldn't take down. He was yes. I mean he was like taking down a conversion van. Yes, he, thank you for that vivid metaphor. But I remember That's his his cool. like nose being broken and his like legs being twisted off. And at one point he was like a broken GI Joe with kung fu kick, where his his belt buckle was like behind his spine. He was completely twisted in half at the waist. Nothing could stop the guy. I, I, because of him, I had there's a picture of me wearing a Jerome Bettis jersey when they won this in the Super Bowl versus the Cardinals. So like there's some anger there. Historically, I also hate the Steelers. You and I could probably unite over our ha- hatred for the Steelers, but they've been they've been a trash organization for apparently the last 58 games. So they fired Matt Canada. They scored they got more than 400 yards. So congratulations to those guys, I guess. And sorry for your Bengals for not pulling out the win. The Bengals were very competitive in that game, I thought, for what the game was. They didn't lose yeah. the lead until the fourth quarter, right? Yeah, I mean it was. Yeah, it was. I mean it was a decent game, especially with a backup. But our our running game was was complete trash. But I don't know. We'll see. It's always yeah. next week. Uh the thing I I, th- I wanted something. You need something to end the show with, right? Like you need a hook that keeps people on. You know, for an hour and twenty five minutes. I don't know what that is yet because we're just figuring the show out. Bear with us as we figure out what the show could be. I think. The fact that we made almost 90 minutes of, of just talking and going down in, in different directions shows you that we're ready to talk about uh, anything with uh, football for sure. But the thing the thing that I hate is what I'm ending the show with today is I hate the 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 Buccaneers all pewter uniforms. First of all, I think pewter is a terrible color. It's like a warm silver. It doesn't know what it wants to be. It's a terrible color. <laughs> it doesn't know what it wants to be. <laughs> it doesn't know, right? It's not gray. It's not silver. It's not it's not a warm color like gold. It's just this weird gray, but it's not cool like the Seahawks gray or even that weird battleship gray that the Lions wear for no reason at all. <laughs> but, 
well, why do they wear that color? Like Honolulu blue is a beautiful color and it's what their team is known for. And they, they there's games that they play where they don't wear it. It doesn't make any sense. But the Bucks are well known for starting in 1976 with the most hideous uniform of all time. They were like, they looked like the Tennessee Volunteers only worse. And I say that liking the Volunteers. These creamsicle uniforms, they went 0-26 in these things. They have this terrible logo called Bucko Bruce where it's this pirate kind of giving you this saucy look like, you know, you know you're, you're, you're at a restaurant in the mall and he's... He's gonna catch up with you in the bathroom, and it's not gonna be a good time. You know, he's he's got it's a terrible logo. But uh, so we're we're in an era now of these color rush uniforms, where right there's a there's a fourth jersey or third or fourth jersey, depending on your team. It's all to make money. Of all things, though, why why are these pewter tops and bottoms? There's a lot of weird stuff going on with the NFL. You remember the colorblind game where the where the Jets and the Bills where they were red on green and no and if you were colorblind you couldn't tell who was who. The oh, Colts yeah, just yeah. played a game where no where no team was wearing white. It's like we have we have a fashion problem in the NFL. I hate to even address that here, but the pewter uniforms have got to be stopped. If anyone in the Buccaneers organization can hear this, please reach out to me. I know I'm nobody. I'm just an I one dispatcher. Why am I even talking about sports? In retrospect, it makes no sense. Please reach out to me. I already have prototypes and schematics drawn up of your perfect uniform. The thing that's gonna that's gonna make you feel pride, win or lose. And it's and not these terrible computers. His football coach said he was a good artist. So yes, trust him. my football coach said I could do this. He said, John, you should be out there designing uniforms, not wearing one. <laughs> oh man, I'm such a fancy lad. Anyway, I hate those fucking uniforms. Don't ever wear them again. I guess that's my last take. What's your last take? They always do takes, first takes, and big takes, and last takes. You got a last take? They're terrible. Those those things are terrible. I hate them. I'm with you. We're agreeing on something, so that's a good thing. That's a good Final, thing for for a first show. Yeah, it's not bad. We did okay. What last question? What the hell is a Buckeye? Oh, it is the most delicious Christmas candy you could ever have, and I will send you some. I was going to ask you to actually send me some for Christmas because I've, I'm aware that it's some kind of big nut. Like they always say big oh, nut. It's a nut. It's actually a nut, but there's a Christmas candy that's mimicked after the nut, and it is so good. But it doesn't Chocolate, actually peanut have... butter. you allergic to peanuts? I'm not allergic to anything because I was born Dude, in the 80s. So I don't have a weak constitution like these 90s and 2000s children. <laughs> Nailed I think it. I've, I think now, I think thinking about it, I've had one of those before, but it doesn't have actual Buckeyes in it. Are Buckeyes inedible? No, no, we don't. We don't really know, though. Well, I haven't. I haven't delved that far into it. Is, is it a, is it immoral for you to eat a buckeye? Like how you could never like have like a every buckeye I've ever is super hard. Like I like you can't even bite it. It's too hard to put it in your mouth. Like it, it's like a hard nut. I guess I got you. But but would it be immoral? Like how you would never like eat like a bald eagle for Thanksgiving? <laughs> it would just be. It would just be like you know. Or like like shooting a cardinal in the state of Ohio, you're not allowed to do that. I didn't know that. I mean, why would you? Cardinals are beautiful, but they're your state bird because they're Virginia state bird too. I I don't know. I think that's got to be settled at some point. All right, (laughs) we will settle it. Thanks for thanks for listening to Failure to Stop Illegal Shift. That's the name of the show, even though you know we didn't advertise it as such. It's Illegal Shift. Thanks for watching. Uh, future episodes, we may go live some po- sometimes. We may have uh, even the call-in feature uh, restored here. We appreciate you watching. Thanks to Ghostbed. Thanks to uh, Factor Meals. 
thanks to Eric Tanzi for like giving us a shot to do something completely different. Please yeah, don't let us down. Please tell your friends if the, if they want to listen to some first responders talk about sports that actually exists, and that's this. So I don't know if you have a sign off, Jason, but guns up, giddy up, good night, America. That's usually what I say. Guns up, giddy up, good night, America. Good night. Yeah, you don't have to do the hand motion. All right. Good night. <laughs>